Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. Something that has been plainly obvious over the last 12 months is that the organizations and leaders that are succeeding are those that have been really honest and vulnerable about the challenges we've all been facing. 2020 was not a moment to pretend that everything is fine and try and project to your team that you've got all the answers because that just wasn't true. To any of our team listening to this, I know we've not been perfect, but I've definitely tried. I've tried to be honest and authentic uh, as much as is possible. But crafting a culture that allows space for authenticity and vulnerability is no easy task. So today I want to dig into that. And the person that's going to join me in doing so is Sean Page, Talent Program Specialist from Webflow. Sean, welcome, mate. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show this morning. Yeah, no worries. Well, it's, it's morning for you. It's afternoon for me. You're in DC. Um, I'm in London. Um, uh, for those listening who don't know what Webflow does, which um, as a customer is, you know, might sound a bit wild, I would definitely recommend they, they go check it out. Um, do you want to just give a really short description of what Webflow as a business is all about? Sure. And uh, I'm definitely happy to do that. So uh, for those who are listening who are not um, familiar with Webflow, uh, Webflow is the way to design, build, and launch powerful web f- websites visually without coding. Um, our company's mission is twofold. We enable um, everyone to create for the web. Um, and we and we do that uh, by allowing ourselves to lead uh, fully impactful lives uh, while we do it. And so Webflow is just a huge um, player in the no-code space. Um, so um, if you're not familiar with Webflow, definitely check us out um, at webflow.com. Super nice. Yeah, we're, we use it at Charlie. It, it powers a lot of our marketing activity. It powers all of our podcast pages. Um, yeah, we're big fans. Um, and, and Sean, tell us a little bit about, uh, just for context, kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis, but more importantly, like you, the journey that you've taken uh, into uh, talent where you now sit. Yeah, no, thank you. That's a really great question. So for me, um, just career-wise, um, I'm actually uh, followed a non-traditional path into tech um, and also people ops. Um, so originally, I worked with um, one of the largest uh, labor unions um, in their communications and then their labor labor relations department um, when I originally started my career journey. And then following from that, I actually worked at a nonprofit that uh, was a arm of uh, CDC. Um, and so that's the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, and I worked there as a project manager um, actually doing preparedness and response work. Um, and so <laughs> somehow that all led me uh, to decide one day that I actually wanted to change careers and change industries at the same time. And so um, I decided, hey, like, you know, I really just enjoyed working with people. A lot of my roles originally had like some components of like HR. Um, and so I really just wanted to do it full time. And so that's sort of how I then discovered uh, Webflow um, you know, just doing a random Google search. Um, and then I applied and then now I'm working here today. Nice. So um, we picked this topic, and I think it's interesting, and, and I'm going to kind of explain why. 
Um, we want to talk about authenticity and how to build that in, into into your into your culture. But I think what I wanted to start the show by saying was I feel like you're a super authentic person, right? Um, uh, I discovered Sean on Twitter, uh, and if you're not following him, definitely go uh, check him out. Um, I think if you just search Sean Page, you'll you'll find him, and. Um, you're you're really great at presenting a very clear perspective of who you are, what you believe in, like what's important to you. Are there any kind of key moments in your career thus far where you've um, where you've realised or you've felt the importance of authenticity in a kind of business and company context? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. So for me, um, I just feel like every part of my career has required me uh, to use my authenticity to really build relationships. Um, because the last seven years, I've been really focused on building and running programs, um, rather that be people ops programs, uh, emergency preparedness response programs, labor relations programs, like they all require um, you you to work with people. And so when you're working with people like that, um, it, it just requires a lot of trust and a lot of trust building. And so I find that authenticity authenticity, uh, you know, you kind of have to have that authentic um, self within yourself um, in order to really resonate with others around you to want to actually help you uh, contribute to those projects or to those programs. And so um, for me, you know, authentic authenticity, in my opinion, um, just really requires a great balance between radical candor and extraordinary kindness. Um, and so for me, um, there's like, you know, I've learned over the years that there's kind of an art when it comes to like, um, you know, delivering good news um, versus delivering bad news. And so one of my favorite examples of just like how I actually have actionably used authenticity to like drive a program um, is actually back in my um, public health job. Um, I was in charge of like sending uh, $300,000 worth of vaccines um, during the 2018 Puerto Rico uh, hurricane crisis. And so while doing that, per, um, while managing that um, process, um, originally there was like no formal like procurement process. Like I had to do it from scratch, like build and ship at the same time. And so through that experience, um, I learned that um, international shipping is a nightmare. Um, and so during that uh, period of time when I was shipping out those vaccines, um, I ended up like, you know, sending them doing, you know, going through customs and they actually got stuck in customs. And, you know, why I was like, you know, trying, I was frantic because like these vaccines, right, they they have to be cold, they have to be stored at a certain temperature. And so I was freaking out and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get these vaccines through this uh, this custom uh, process? And so um, that's really where authenticity really came in. I kind of was just direct with the person who was like working, you know, at the, uh, the office there. And I was just like, hey, you know, we really need these vaccines. This, you know, we're really, you know, by delivering these vaccines, we're going to be impacting hundreds of thousands of people. And like, we can't have these things be stuck there. And I understand that like, you know, during the process, like there was like little nuances that, you know, obviously this is my first time. And so I didn't understand, like there's certain things I had to check off on the form and other things like that. And so by being my authentic self and just like letting them know the severity of the situation and understanding like why we're, what we're trying to do, the person actually let me, uh, uh, clear those vaccines through customs. And so I, you know, and they also too gave me like, you know, more uh, recommendations of what to do in the future. And so by having that kind of authentic moment where I was just, you know, vulnerable and just allowing this person to understand sort of the situation that really allowed that person to kind of see me as a person, understand sort of where I was coming from. And so that allowed that kind of uh, gate to open uh, as you will. And so I think that's just a perfect example of how authenticity mm -hmm. can be used in just a day-to-day -day interaction. 
Yeah, I love that. I also love that we're talking about vaccines, how how amazingly topical. Um, and, and obviously we're recording this like mid, mid-vaccine mid rollout um, in the UK and the US and the rest of the world. So yeah, great example. And um, I think especially with something like that, that's like, you know, a relatively stressful moment, you know, lives are literally um, hanging in the balance, right? You're going to impact people's health. That's like a really big deal. Um, just being honest and open and being like, look, I don't really know what I'm doing here either. Let's just try and make this work. I think is, is, uh, is super important and kind of underpins um, like why and how impactful authenticity can be. Um, so that's you and, and that's an experience that you've had, but let's kind of shift it to like an organizational level. Do you think that organizations that are authentic um, have an edge over competitors? Yeah, I definitely do. So I think authenticity is just important now more than ever, especially in the societies that we're living in today. Um, A talent, you know, you know, as a talent expert, um, you know, I see all the time how uh, candidates are interacting with brands and and interacting with leaders on social media and other means. And so um, I definitely have seen a shift in candidates who are looking for those more authentic workplaces. Um, And I think it's just so important, especially knowing that younger generations especially are really being more socially conscious and aware of their environments and being more vocal about it. And so um, I think there's just a lot of opportunities for companies at large to really uh, invest more into building up those like authentic brands and really being authentic in how they're presenting um, situations. And so, um, you know, from my my experience, I really think that um, companies who are very open um, in practicing authenticity usually, you know, attract and retain larger uh, customer bases. Um, they also have a higher uh, employee engagement scores. Um, they also have larger candidate pools. And so there's just a lot of like benefits that come from being that authentic. Um, but I also think there's like other sides to that too, right? Like I think, you know, companies like for instance, Coinbase, um, you know, they're very authentic in how they believe, you know, in their beliefs of being apolitical in the environment. And so there's some negative effects that also come from authenticity. So I don't think it's always a nece- necessarily a positive picture or a positive spin. I think there's different ways of being authentic, but it's knowing your audience and knowing how to talk to not only your customers, but also to talking to your own employees or your own, um, you know, people who are applying to your jobs. And so I think um, there's a there's a balancing act when it comes to just being authentic as a as a company. Love it, Sean. Um, so when we were planning this this season, this is season two of the Culture Ops podcast, one of the potential episode titles was um, we wanted to have a little look at the Coinbase situation and example and and dig into it. And uh, Matt, who leads sort of everything that we do from a content perspective, was like, oh, I don't know. Um, But you brought it up, Sean. So let's go there. Um, (laughs) So for maybe people that have context of of, of, um, what Coinbase have done, um, they basically said that within their environment, uh, politics is... Uh, n- not something that people can talk about. They can't express their views. They want to. They want to represent as a as an apolitical uh, organization. And all of this happened at the kind of um, uh, in the midst of all the BLM movement that was happening um, uh, in the states and actually around the world. Right? Um, there was no one that wasn't um, affected by it, and and that was a really like positive and powerful thing. Um, and Coinbase came out and said, "No, if you want to." like engage with um, this 
type of movement, you're not going to do that here. I guess there's one argument that says Coinbase are being very authentic in who they are. Now, that persona that they're putting across, their beliefs, their behaviors are not beliefs and behaviors that you and I hold. Um, but I guess it would be remiss of us to, to maybe not point out that there maybe are people in the world who would be attracted to a culture like that. Um, so I guess the question I'm trying to ask is like, would we prefer Coinbase to, to not be authentic or are we happy that they're displaying their authentic self, even if it's not the type of culture that we would want to work within or get behind? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think that's a really great question. Um, so, you know, for those who are listening, I didn't even know this uh, question was going to be asked. So um, this is really off the cuff. But uh, I think for myself, the way that I see it is it's signaling, right? Like, I think there's good signals and bad signals. And, you know, overall being authentic, um, you know, whether or not that's a good authenticity or a bad authenticity, I think it's just really signaling that matters uh, for uh, candidates or for employees who work there. And so um, I don't necessarily think of it as a bad thing. I think it's a warning for those who are like, I know that that's the environment I don't want to be in. And so that kind of prevents me from spending that time and energy into like trying to be a part of a, a community like that. And so it's almost like in a way you're like preventing yourself from, you know, being in those like negative situations beforehand. And so I definitely can see that. But I think, you know, there's a difference between one player doing this versus an industry doing it, right? Like going from like just one per like one individual to then a systematic issue. And I think that is where there's some caution there, right? Like you want to make sure that it's fine if individual companies want to do that, but if a bunch of individual companies decide, hey, like as an industry, we decide that tech is going to be apolitical and we're not going to allow, you know, this, this, and this to be talked about. I think that is when you start to see the red flags and you start to see the warning signs where this is actually bad for the people. Like this is preventing people from having that voice and being off and being and living in their own authenticity. And so I think that's sort of the balancing act where it's just like, I think it's okay, personally, it's okay if individual companies are doing this because that's good signaling for candidates. But the minute that these individual companies decide, hey, we want to change policies, we want to change regulations, we want to change, you know, uh, a public opinions around um, how we're being political in companies, I think that is the danger that comes with these type of conversations. And I think that is where um, people should be very cautious and, and more aware about like what's going on uh, when it comes to these type of uh, conversations. Yeah, and Sean, you make a really good point, which is that they're signaling and they're saying, this is the type of organization we are. If that appeals to you, great. If it doesn't, also great. Um, and it kind of leads on to kind of where I want to go with this, which is, you know, how do you think uh, candidates experience authenticity as part of the hiring process? And and maybe we should use Webflow as an, as an example. Um, and that process is something that you're very close to. Like, what are the signals, what are the, the parts of that process where candidates can feel, they can, they can feel those authentic signals? Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really great question too. Um, so yeah, so I definitely believe that candidates that go through our process um, get to experience authenticity, our version of authenticity in multiple uh, uh, points within the hiring experience. And so for us, like really our core behaviors, for those who might not be aware of it, um, we have seven different core behaviors that we really uh 
practice uh, throughout not only our interview processes, but day-to-day in our work environments. And so our first one is actually start with customers. And so a lot of people might traditionally think, oh, when you talk about start with customers, you're thinking about sales, you're thinking about customer support, you're thinking about engineering. Um, But every function within the company is thinking about like, how do we start with our customers? And so for us, our customers are um, not only our hiring managers, but it's also the candidates are going through our process. And so when we're building out this experience, we're thinking about them in mind. And so one of my first projects when I ever, when I started Webflow um, was I actually created Spotify playlists uh, for candidates to listen to um, while they prepare for interviews. And I've gotten so much positive feedback just doing that one little thing um, that I think most people would never even thought that that was like relevant. And to candidates, they love it. Um, And so like, I think, you know, just starting with those like, uh, you know, Spotify playlists um, to just interviewing interviewers actually referring to our core behaviors and within our questions um, and also uh, providing examples of how they embody those core behaviors for the candidates as well. Um, I think that also adds um, to it. And then also too, when we are um, in that late stage uh, with candidates, we also think about like uh, giving them opportunities to actually meet uh, Webflow staff members who are not actually a part of the interview process, but who might share their identities with the candidate or, um, you know, might just, the candidate might just be interested in meeting someone else in a different department. Um, We also provide that opportunity for late stage candidates as well. And so I think, you know, just by design, thinking about all these different, uh, you know, layers within the process, how can we be more and more authentic and inclusive um, when we're doing these processes? And so I think, you know, that's just super important um, when we're like, you know, working with, you know, people, you know, we really just want to make sure that people are being centered in our processes, because I think that's where really how authenticity is built up. um, And then it's also showcased. Yeah, I love that. There's like so many really important things that you said there, but you, you kept using the word people. And I, I think sometimes in HR and talent and, and um, you know, people work, we sometimes forget that this is all about people. This is about humans. This is about creating, in many ways, human connection, human relationships. A Spotify playlist is um, like such a beautiful example of of a human interaction or creating a, a sense of who a person is. I've obviously got to ask, like, what are some of the tracks on that playlist that represent Webflow? <laughs> you know, it's funny. So we have a bunch of different playlists. So one of them is like the happiest playlist. So I would say a lot of Pharrell's in there, like a lot of, um, you know, uh, like a lot of different just like uh, pop artists in there. Um, but we also too, like we up-level that playlist as well. So late stage candidates that actually get to meet our directors and stuff, actually work one-on-one with the directors to create their own playlist. And so their favorite songs are actually in a playlist. So you actually get to kind of experience what the directors listen to day to day. Um, and so like one of my favorite playlists that I actually listen to um, almost every week is my VP of People's playlist. Her name is uh, Heather Doshe. Um, and she has a wonderful 10 song playlist that I listen to almost every uh, every week when I'm like working out or something like that. And so I think having that, like those playlists has just been, like you said, like a really just uh, people oriented experience. But it's also just great just to, you know, be able to share music with someone. It's so rare that someone gives me an idea that I've never heard before. And that is a truly unique idea. Playlists as part of the hiring process as a way to build authenticity. I love it. Um, Do you think, I mean, honestly, do you think that because people can feel what Webflow is about in a much more visceral way, do you think it makes it a more attractive place to work? 
do you think people in your hiring process are like, I really want to work here? And do, and do you see that in the data? And do you see that in your, um, how easy you find it to attract uh, potential employees and team members? Yeah, no, I definitely do see it. Um, I see it when I do employee stories, when I'm going around interviewing um, our own employees and asking them for like feedback or just like, you know, comments about their own experience or our process to just like our data points when we see like, you know, I, I look at our funnels all the time and our actually our best source at Webflow is actually our jobs page. And a lot of times we're actually getting a lot of feedback from candidates that are saying, yes, like, I love your core behaviors there. I love the fact that you're centering our experiences as candidates. I love that you're already, you know, even in our interview process, like when we go through that first stage, like we always talk about salary. Like you're not leaving that first uh, that first interview without knowing like what the salary of the job is, like understanding the uniqueness of like the team, um, understanding what exactly we're looking for when it comes to like that job description. And I think that transparency piece is just so important. And I think a lot of people resonate with that because that is something that's truly is missing in our industry, uh, where a lot of companies are, you know, when you go to a job page, like a perfect example of this is like even this week, you know, I have recruiters get recruited too, right? And so like mm-hmm. a recruiter reached out to me and asked me, hey, like, are you interested in this like talent marketing role? And I was like, okay, like this sounds interesting. Let me just go and check, you know, because you always want to take the call no matter what. And so um, I went to the jobs page and it was awful. It was like, I couldn't find no information about like the team. I couldn't find no information about like, you know, the exact perks that this uh, company was providing. There was just a lot of like lack of transparency. And so for me, I just feel like a lot of candidates get really frustrated by like that lack of transparency piece. And so I think for us, that's sort of our key uh, way of making us different from our competitors is by providing uh, tons of transparency so that people actually feel as though that they're truly part of a process rather just a, you know, a clog within a machine. Yeah, and I don't feel like you can really build an authentic culture unless you are transparent um, because otherwise it just feels like you're holding stuff back. And if you're holding stuff back, people know that you're not being authentic, right? That's just that's just, that's just part of it. Um, I want to kind of maybe step away slightly from thinking about bringing candidates in and that kind of attraction piece. And I love the examples there. And I guess I want to look a bit more internally in the organisation. Um what do you think the interplay is between building an authentic culture and the effect that has on performance? Like, and, and that can be things that you see from kind of just observing the team, or it can be how you feel uh, in your role and, and what you deliver for the, for the business. Yeah, no. Um, so I would definitely say um, internally at Webflow, like authenticity really ties into pro- team performance um, just through people interaction and communication. Um, I think, you know, for us, like, you know, I, I believe Webflow is a psychologically safe environment. And so by having that type of environment, it really breathes authenticity and um, and as a result of that authenticity, we have high performance, right? And so, um, you know, that means that team members on our team can be authentic when it comes to just like the way that they work. Um, they can be authentic about how they work, you know, who they work with. Um, and and so that gives them like a stronger sense of just belonging and uh, cohesion when it comes to just um, working at Webflow. And so I think um, that's just super important whenever you're talking about team performance. Um, I think that a lot of times when you're in a more restricted environment, it really hinders people's abilities to think outside the box really hinders people's abilities um, to see why they're working with each other in a collaborative environment. They see each other more as competitors um, and they're more likely to withhold 
information, right? Because they're like, you know, again, like they don't want to see each other as like, you know, equals. And so they're like, you know, really fighting to make sure that they're the ones that are being shown. And so I think that really hinders like sort of, again, that inclusion and belonging piece. And so I think um, it's just really important, especially when it comes to authenticity, um, uh, that, you know, as you move up the management level uh, ladder, that uh, authenticity should actually be increasing. And so I think, you know, um, one of the things that really makes you Webflow unique is our um, CEO, Vlad, is just like very, you know, I've never met a, a CEO who is so transparent and just so authentic. Like, you know, I remember on one of our calls, he was just talking about his experience as, you know, an immigrant in the U.S. and like sort of, you know, having to, uh, you know, go through, you um, you know, just like um, his experience coming from Russia and all these like other pieces. And so I think by just having that story and saying, hey, I'm a human, like, just like you are. And like, these are the things that I'm going through, like that resonates with employees. And that makes employees want to rally behind you because they're like, wow, you're actually being vulnerable with me. You're actually trying to be transparent. And so I think um, it's just really important when you're at that leadership level that you need to remember that you're selling a vision to your reports, to your candidates, to your customers. And so if you can't sell that, like, through your authenticity, then I think that's where a lot of people get stuck at certain points within their business because, you know, people start to really read into it. The more visible you become, the more people are reading into like how you work and how you move through systems. And so I think, um, I just, I think it's just so important that when we talk about authenticity within the workplace that um, we really just encourage, um, you know, people to really just, you know, have that that good balance with them and itself. I'm not saying like be transparent about 100% about everything, right? Like I think there's still checks and balance within authenticity. But I think overall, um, I think in order to have a psychologically safe environment, you really have to start breeding authenticity within your workplace. Yeah, there's, there's two things that you kind of picked out there that I think are really important. So the first one is how you sell a purpose and vision. And um, this is something that, that I've like touched on with a bunch of other guests, which is that you're never going to sell that truly unless you can do it in an authentic way. Um, people just won't believe you, right? You stand up and you're like, I'm super passionate about this thing. If you're not really passionate about that thing, humans are smart. And I, and we're smart on, a, on an emotional level in that we can sense these things. You know, we, we kind of went on that journey a little bit at Charlie, which is that for the first four years of the business, we were all about saving companies time in HR admin and... And I guess we kind of realized that actually maybe we weren't that passionate about that. And, and that's what the last kind of 12 months has been about with Culture Ops is like, oh, actually what we're really passionate about is helping companies craft their culture. I could work on that problem for the next 30 years of my life and I'd be a happy person. And guess what? We can probably communicate that better to our team. They feel more motivated. The performance comes because they can look at me and go, yeah. Ben is passionate about that. So that's the first thing, which is like, I think purpose and vision are so important when it comes to team motivation, team performance. It's key. And the second level is um, creating a psychologically safe environment uh, so that people feel like they can put their hand up and go, you know what, I just don't know how to do this or I'm struggling or I'm having a bad day. Um, and... I think there would probably be some people out there who go, you know, no. I think that, um, uh, 
you know, people always talking about how they're feeling and where they are actually slows a company down or it means that we don't make as much progress. Um, but I think it's a bit of a short versus a long-term thing. I think if you want to be successful in the long term, you need to create an environment where people feel like they can share, they can talk. And it's not just about numbers and results today. It's about like, let's get there together um, rather than as individuals. The book I love always that talks about creating that environment is the Simon Sinek book, Leaders Eat Last. Um, it just talks about the idea of like a campfire as a leader, you're the person on the outside of the campfire, you know, protecting your tribe in the middle. That's how you should operate rather than be the person in the center of the campfire. So, yeah, I love that. Like two really important things that I think that massively feed into performance. Do you feel personally like you perform better in this environment? I mean, just candidly thinking about yourself in other roles, previous roles, previous environments. Do you feel like the work that you do on a daily basis is better? Yeah, I definitely do. You know, for me, um, I'm I'm going to be a hundred percent. Like, I've definitely left jobs in the past because um, they, I just couldn't trust leadership uh, that would allow me to be authentic. You know, like whenever it came to just being, you know, candid about you know delivering constructive feedback or just um, being able to uh, just be able to you know come and go within the workspace. Um, I find that a lot of um, places in my past that have just lacked that authenticity piece are, are just not pleasant places to work. Uh, for me as a high performer. And, and so I think, you know, for me, um, especially, I, I, I always like to think about like, you know, when, when I'm judging uh, workplaces, I always love to see like, how can it can, are people actually being in interviews, right? Like if I ask my like questions in return, I always, like you were saying earlier, like humans are smart, right? We can tell through uh, nonverbal cues or through people's mannerisms, like what the truth really is. And so I always love like, you know, asking really deep questions in my interview process. Um, because I'm always a believer, like interviews are a two-way street. Um, you know, you're interviewing me and I'm also interviewing you. And so um, I think it's just so important, um, you know, that, uh, you know, a lot of these places that are lacking authenticity, um, I think they also don't know how much damage they're causing for their workers, right? They're not understanding why they're not, uh, why by having a, psychologically unsafe environment, um, why that's creating toxicity throughout their uh, throughout uh, how their employees are thinking about their company, how they're interacting with customers, um, all these other pieces that I think we don't necessarily always evaluate when it comes to data, day to day. But all those things start to compound. And then eventually, you know, you're you're having bad reviews on Glassdoor. You're, you know, being talked about on Twitter. Um, you're, you're having articles and New York Times reporters writing about you. And so um, I just think there's just so many, uh, there's like a cause and effect um, when it comes to authenticity. And so if you're preventing people from being able to live their full selves, because again, I think sometimes people forget 40 hours a week is a lot of time for someone to spend on one thing and doing one thing. And so you're you're essentially responsible for those people's 40 hours a week. And so um, I think if you're not allowing them to to express that authenticity, you're not allowing them to live like their, themselves, then um, I think there's just a lot of repercussions that come with that. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that, you know, and, and Webflow is a remote, remote first company, yeah? Yes. So um, the barriers between work and life, I think, become even thinner or even more flexible when we're working remotely, right? Because, you know, we aren't even, we're not even changing locations. We are literally like opening a laptop, and we're working, closing it, and we're done, right? So, um, so because of that, I think we have to be, 
really respectful as organizations that the sort of two circles of work and life continue to become closer and closer together and overlap more. And yeah, there's something psychologically challenging in asking someone to spend so much of their week and time being someone that they're not, right? Yeah. Um, forcing someone to to work within a culture where they aren't able to be them um, their true self. And I imagine that has some pretty serious negative psychological effects, right? Um, have you ever felt in an environment that you couldn't be your true self? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of angles to this, right? Like, especially as myself, for those who are listening, you know, identify as a Black queer man. And so, like, there's two components of my identity that I have to always think about when I'm ever walking into space, whether it's at the workplace, whether it's just um, at the grocery store or whatever. And so, you know, looking at my Blackness and looking at my queerness, like, um, I think a lot of places that don't allow you to express your authenticity, you have to kind of, um, there's this concept um, for those who might not be aware called code switching um, that a lot of uh, minorities do. Um, whether you're a woman um, in a male-dominated space, whether you're Black in a white-dominated space, um, queer in a, in a straight-dominated space. And so I think, you know, by code switching, you're really trying to integrate yourself within that work experience because you're trying, you're fearful that you might experience retaliation for expressing your identity. But what ends up happening is a lot of times people end up splitting their personalities or splitting up their, how they're viewing because they're, they're trying to avoid trauma. Right. They're trying to avoid um, just like, you know, you know, having to internalize the fear that they feel. And so I think that's why it's just so uh, uh, important uh, for people to understand that, like a lot of times I think, you know, people see like, you know, hey, like, you know, one of the, the funniest thing is, you know, one of the most toxic workplaces that I worked at. Um, they always thought I was the most happiest person because I always was smiling. I was always happy. I always said hello to everyone in the office, you know because I also worked in hospitality before. So, you know, always used to knowing how to interact with people. And so, you know, because of that, people always thought, oh, Sean just seems like the happiest employee here. And I was actually miserable. I hated that job. Um, every time when I had to go on the Metro, I'm from DC. Every time I had to go into the Metro to go into that job, I would be cussing to myself and being like, why the heck have I not found another job? Like, you know, and so I just think there's like, you know, what people appear on the on the surface is not always what they truly feel internally. And so I think that's where people really uh, struggle to understand how to make those authentic connections. And so I think that's why it's just so important for people to allow to have those like spaces for people to be able to express that, whether that's like having a employee resource group or, you know, having um, just like an open forum for people to like, you know, give feedback or just like, you know, in, in your all staff meetings, every uh, meeting that uh, every month that you have or every week that you have, um, allowing people from different perspectives to be able to be part of that process and to and to be able to talk and speak. Um, I just think there's just so many ways that people can incorporate this, but they choose not to because again, doing people-oriented processes are is a lot harder than it is to do uh, processes that aren't reliant on people. And so I think a lot of times people are just like, well, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. And so um, they just ignore all these pieces and they allow people to be harmed in their workplaces without even knowing it. Yeah, and like, I mean, that what you just said was superb. Thank you. Um, Thanks for your honesty and your transparency. I, I think the key that underlines all this stuff is that creating a workplace like that and, and thinking about 
all the aspects of uh, creating a culture where people feel like they can be their true self. It's really hard work. And, and I think the honest answer is that we ignore things that are hard work a lot of the time. We ignore conversations that we don't know how to have. We ignore situations that we're uncomfortable about. And, and that does the absolute opposite of creating a workplace where people feel like they can be their authentic self. It, it creates monocultures. It creates environments where actually we just want people to sort of, you know, behave in a certain way. And, uh, you know, I look at my thinking on this and it has been radically changed over the last couple of years. And I'm so grateful to everyone that has pushed me on that and, you know, questioned and said, hey, why are you thinking about cultural fit? Why are you not thinking about um, cultural ad? Like if you're just thinking about people that are going to fit in, you're just going to hire lots of the same people. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Why Why did I never realize that before? Um, and I guess the uh, the answer to that is like, I'm a white straight man. So it's pretty, the, the world is pretty well set up for me, right? I've not had to deal with maybe these these challenges and these struggles. And so um, the, 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 the ease of life that I've had is very obvious in these scenarios. Um, uh, you know, let's use Vlad as an example. How, how, how does he sit as an, an example for the organization in terms of saying, let's prioritize this work. Let's make, let's make sure that we do the hard process work and take the time to make stuff happen. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Uh, a, a really great question. So um, for, and just, I just want to also add to you, I think part of the piece that a lot of people are missing is they're afraid of being wrong. They're afraid to do the wrong thing. And so I think that fear of being wrong stops us from actually just creating an action. Um, and I think, you know, no one knows everyone's experience, right? Even as a Black queer male, I don't know, you know, someone who might be from a South Asian background. I might not know en enough about them to actually know uh, fully enough to support them, but I had to be open to learning and, uh, and open to uh, their experience. And so I think, you know, I always love to say that, you know, when we're in the space, and I think what makes this the space at least exciting for me and maybe for yourself as well, is there's always opportunities to learn and to grow into something greater than yourself. And so I think if you have that type of attitude, it makes this authenticity piece so much easier than someone who's like, I'm afraid to be wrong and I'm just going to keep being in my own opinion and I'm going to keep, um, you know, closing myself off from other people's opinions. And so I, I definitely wanted to add that piece. But um, I think Vlad, um, you know, given that example, um, what I just said, I think Vlad exhibits that really well. We give him a, a lot of constructive feedback. I mean, this man goes through so much feedback from our company and he really does take it to heart. Um, he makes himself accessible all the time. Like I've seen him answer pings on Slack all the time. He's always um, in his emails that he sends out every week. He has a, a place at the bottom his email where people can provide him feedback. Um, I even had a, a schedule one-on-one -on -one because um, at a certain point, you know, our company released uh, a statement around um, anti-racism during the time uh, George Floyd's uh, uh, tragedy. And so uh, during that time, um, you know, I always, I was really curious, like, okay, this is great. We created a statement, but like, what are the actions behind that? And so I actually reached out to him and we had a great conversation about this. And like, he was very open to just being like, yeah, like, you know, I definitely think it's important for us to have this piece, but we also, you're right. We need to internally think about like, what does this mean at Webflow? Like, what does anti-racism 
work me here. And so I think by having those like, you know, frank conversations, like Vlad is just like really open to them. Um, and he's actually receptive. And then also too, I think, you know, the board's opponent, most important part is he also throws the money towards those ideas, right? Like he's not stingy because I think a lot of times also a lot of people will say, those are really great ideas. I support you, you know, mentally, but when it comes down to the money, I'm not actually supporting you. And so I think that's also another piece to the uh, to the puzzle that people are also missing. And so I think leaders who are willing to give that money out to these different groups and really fund these ideas so that it can be successful is also important as well. Yeah, it's definitely about it's definitely about making sure the investment um, of, of time, but also money, importantly, uh, money is there. And um, yeah, I love I love you t- using Vlad as an example because I think that authenticity starts at the top, right? Like you you can say as an organization, yeah, we want to create a really authentic culture where people f- can show up as themselves, where people can be themselves and identify in the way that they want to identify. But then if your leadership team, if your CEO, if your founders, if they are clearly behaving, you know, the opposite of that, then you know, you're never going to be able to craft that culture in the way that you want to, right? It's the easiest way to undermine anything is if leadership don't play ball. Um, Do you think that, you know, when you look at Webflow, that the, the whole leadership group share that passion for feedback, share that passion for being authentic, share that passion for being able to have a conversation with with anyone? Yeah, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think everyone on our exact team is on different journeys. So I think at least everyone on the exact team is baseline open to just like, you know, hearing these things. But I think each one is on their own personal journey. So I can't honestly say that anyone's necessarily at the level of Vlad, but I think that they're all on their own different journeys. And so I would say that, um, you know, one of the things that we're really doing at Webflow that I think is being really effective is we have a DNI council that actually sits on our exec team. And, um, and, and, and so by having it sit there, um, there's actually, we appoint um, two or three execs to be on that um, council every six months. And so that forces people to be able to like be uncomfortable, be able to understand all these excuse me, all these issues that are going on um, in our company. And so I think by doing that and like allowing people to be open-minded about that, I think that's starting to help people grow and flex that muscle. And so I think, you know, a lot of people are on the start on their journeys or like in the middle of their journeys, but I think we're all at, at the end of the day, we're all trying to go towards the same place. And I think that's what really matters. Yeah, amazing. So we've talked about, you know, the clear advantages, right, in in terms of, um attracting talent, keeping people in the room, the fact that authenticity um, has plays such an advantage in terms of um, allowing you to communicate your purpose and your vision, creating a psychologically safe environment and the sort of performance uplift that um, are there. So there's a clear case for the importance of authenticity within, within a culture. But I guess where I want to finish is giving people actionable things that they can actually go out and do in their businesses to craft a culture that is more authentic. Where would you start? If you were starting a business tomorrow and you were trying to build that culture from scratch, where do you think the starting point is? 
Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, the the spirit of this podcast, I think it's always start with people, right? Like you, in order to have an authentic brand and culture, you really just need to make sure you have alignment internally first. And so I would definitely suggest, you know, whether you're a startup with, you know, 10 people or you're just now starting this journey as a, a company of that a thousand plus people. Um, I, th- I really just think that executive teams should really just start with like a mind ma- mapping exercise um, where they really just start with the question of, what does authenticity mean to you as a leader? Like them specifically as a leader? Because I think a lot of times people just don't know where to start because they never question these things within themselves. And so really starting internally first within yourself and then starting to, um, you know, as groups, like starting to uh, involve more and more people really help, um, you know, the company really understand sort of the gratitude in terms of like where you're trying to go as a company when it comes to authenticity. And so I definitely would say, you know, always like, you know, companies right now, I think a lot of times they'll create a vision statement and they'll be like, check, I check the box, um, but they never look at the vision statement again. And so I think this is just a really great opportunity if you're listening today, just look at your vision statement. Like, does it still make sense at your company? Like, are, are you authentically living that vision statement? Like really scrutinize it. Um, and I think that is really just a, a great action that you could just do today to really start this journey on authenticity. Love that. You know, question the things you've already got in place, but also just try to understand that question of like, what does authenticity mean to us? How do we define it? Um, You know, asking yourself those hard questions. So at the top of the show, we talked about, you know, one of those examples, the Spotify playlist is a really nice and fun way to build authenticity into your hiring process. And I guess where I want to finish this conversation is in a similar place, in a very operational place. Are there any other... um, tips, tricks, processes, little things that you do at Webflow that you think really, in a really fun way, underpin the authenticity of the brand and the business that is Webflow? Yeah, no, definitely. So I think another thing that we really do at Webflow that's really nice is we have this Ask Me Anything or AMA uh, uh, series that we're doing where basically employees um, are running this program, um, you know, p- uh, our, our people team is supporting it. But basically we have um, employees training um, or teaching back uh, lessons learned to other people in the company. And so we ran this uh, for six months um, at the beginning of last year. And so, and we're still continuing on this year, but we pra- we basically had different um, things where, you know, we had designers coming in and showing and highlighting, you know, how do you make a dynamic website and Webflow for those who might not be a technical user? Or um, we had another one about marketing understanding sort of like the complexity of SEO um, searches and like, you know, how does that impact um, other parts, uh, uh, pieces of the work that we do? Or we had someone come in and talk about more cultural things like, you know, about like their experiences, um, you know, being in our, uh, uh, in our Pacific Island uh, region and like talking about their experiences working there and living there. Um, so we definitely try to be authentic in that way by show, uh, showcasing and highlighting different people's stories um, and experiences through that event. Um, so I think that's a really fun way to do that. Um, but we also have 10% time at um, Webflow, which I don't think a lot of companies have, which is like um, basically four hours every week you can dedicate it towards your own learning or towards your own projects that relate back to Webflow. And so um, I've seen so many great things come out of that. Um, I've seen people create new features for our Webflow through that. Um, I actually created a mentorship site, um, you know, through that experience. Um, I've seen, you know, people uh, do... Um, 
you know, we have a merch store that just uh, uh, was just launched um, this week for Webflow. And that was actually made through 10% time. Um, so there's just like all these great ideas by having that 10% time piece that allow people to sort of stretch themselves um, more than they would normally do on a day-to-day. Um, so I highly recommend that for other companies who are looking for ways to, to get people to want to, to be more involved. Yeah, I love that. And that's like really expressive as well, right? Like take some time to to go and express yourself in a way that makes sense to you. And it clearly sounds, because I know that um, Google were big sort of um, uh, back in the day, big proponents of the 10% time, but but everyone always used to joke because it was like plus 10% time. So it was like you spent 100% of your, of your day on Google work and then you did your 10% um, projects uh, in the evening. So nice that you guys are actually... Um, making the time for it to happen. Um, Sean, I love your energy, man. Like, I really appreciate it. It's so nice uh, to talk to you. Um, anyone that has heard Sean speak or uh, or follows him on Twitter will know that he just has this amazingly infectious energy. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been wicked to chat with you today. So I want to say a big thank you uh, for joining us. Um, thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Ben. Um, this has been a pleasure being on your show. You asked so many great questions. And... Again, I, I love our banter, so I definitely can't wait to talk to you offline um, more. But uh, yeah, thank you just so much for this uh, being on the show, uh, allow me to be on the show today. And for those who are looking um, to be uh, more involved with Flowflow, uh, we have a lot of jobs um, open. Um, we're actually scaling uh, to uh, by 200 uh, people this year. And so um, if you're looking for a job, um, please feel free to check us out at webflow.com um, backslash jobs um, and uh, take a look. And if you see something you like, um, just uh, tag me on Twitter and we can definitely talk. Um, and Sean, just give us your Twitter handle just so people can find you. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, Sean, um, talent with uh, capital T and then uh, capital W at the end. So nice. Um, and we'll probably link that in the episode that pe- people can find you. Um, and as ever, I've got, to, I've got to thank our producer, Mel, behind the virtual glass uh, for making the show happen and keeping us on track. Uh, to all of you listening along, wherever you are, we really appreciate you. Uh, if you appreciate us, please do head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a re- review and give us five stars. It would mean the world to us and I'm sure Sean as well. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. I've been Ben Branson, Getley, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops podcast.